Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Morning Woods. Today's story is about a nostalgic item that brings its owner nightmares rather than fond memories. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it five stars and writing a review. It helps spread the podcast to more listeners. If you want more creepy content, Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at The Warning Woods. I'm Miles Tritel, and this is The Mask. I used to keep an old theater mask hanging on the wall next to the bulletin board in my bedroom. I used the bulletin board to display memories of the best times in my past. The mask harkened back to my high school theater days. It used to remind me of laughing backstage with my friends, hanging out in the light booth during lunch, and making out in the miniature orchestra pit. I was backstage after the final act of To Kill a Mockingbird, helping to pack up a few delicate set pieces. Mrs. Getty, the theater teacher, asked me to take one of the boxes below the stage where there was plenty of room for storage. The space had become a dark labyrinth over the years, and I had a difficult time finding a large enough spot to set the box without it tripping the next kid who came down blind. I finally found a place, and when I stood up after setting down the box, I jumped. There was a mask. It was protruding from a box at eye level. Its tormented expression, outlined in white, looked down upon me and nearly caused me to scream. Then I almost laughed at myself out loud. I grabbed the mask from its box and brought it back up with me. I snuck away momentarily to hide it in my locker, and the next day, I took it home as a memento. Like many such things, the mask made its way from my desk to a drawer to a box in a closet. It wasn't until I moved out of my dad's house into my own place that I rediscovered the mask and the playful memories it held. That was when I set up the bulletin board and hung the mask next to it. Thinking back, that was the night I had the first nightmare. In the dream, I had woken up to go to the bathroom or something. I was in my room. Almost everything was exactly where it was supposed to be. Everything but the mask. It was missing. Even in the haze of the dream, I noticed its absence, but it didn't seem strange in that moment. I tossed the sheets to my side and let my legs drop to the floor. From under the bed, two hands shot out and grabbed my ankles. I tried to scream, but air wouldn't leave my lungs. All that would come out was a pathetic whisper, as if I were in a vacuum. I looked down at my legs. The darkness made it impossible to make out the figure, but I could feel his grip tightening, threatening to pull me off the bed and drag me under it with him. Then his head started to slowly turn toward me. I could only tell because the edge of the white mask began to appear as his face rotated 180 degrees to face me. The mask's distraught frown reflected my own emotions as the pale face came fully into view. Behind the gaping eye sockets, I saw nothing. My alarm startled me awake. I remember looking at the wall to make sure the mask was still hanging there where I'd left it before slamming the snooze button. 
The next nightmare happened almost a month later. The situation was similar, but when I half-lucidly checked to see if the mask was mounted on the wall, I saw it was. I was surprised, but not disappointedly so. I tossed the covers off and hesitated before moving my legs. The memory of the last dream plagued and paralyzed me. That was when the mask moved on the wall. It shuddered as if someone was adjusting it on their face before going on stage. Then it moved away from the wall. It started floating toward me. Still utterly paralyzed with fear, I quickly realized it wasn't levitating, but rather something, something dark but not fully opaque, was behind it, guiding its movement. Two arms emerged from the wall like a swimmer pulling himself from the pool. The hands came to rest on my desk. Its legs followed until the masked being was crouched on my desk. There was nothing behind the hollow eyes of the mask, only the blackness of evil watching me. Somehow I managed to wake up at that moment. It was still dark, but close to morning. I had a residual feeling of helpless despair weighing on my chest. It took all of my will to turn my head and see that, thankfully, the mask was still in the correct place. Although seeing it no longer gave me warm feelings of nostalgia. When I finally convinced myself to get out of bed, I moved the mask and opened one of the desk drawers to put it in. Before I closed the drawer, I thought about how much harder it would be to check on the mask if I woke up from another nightmare like the first two. The potential anxiety of having to cross the dark room and open the drawer to look for it was enough to convince me to hang it back up. The next night, I woke up and the mask was not hanging where I'd left it. I wasn't dreaming. I checked with a pinch on the arm. I didn't even know if that worked, but it was enough to convince me that I was truly awake in my room, and the mask was gone. Feeling that anxiety that caused me to hang the mask again in the first place, I got out of bed and walked over to the desk. Trying to be quiet, I opened the drawer and saw the mask wasn't there either. My heart was beating to a rhythm I couldn't track. Its pounding threatened to bruise my ribs as I walked toward my closet. I readied myself for the worst and slid the closet door aside with one swift motion. No mask. I rubbed my eyes and wondered if I had done something with it in my sleep. I wasn't known to sleepwalk, but I did live alone. It's not like someone could have told me if I did. I couldn't find anything else out of order and didn't hear any noises, so I decided to go to the bathroom and get back in bed. The mask could wait until tomorrow. I opened my bedroom door. There was a tall figure standing in the hallway. His side was turned to me, and he was looking up at the ceiling. I stopped cold, clutching the doorknob and held my breath. The paralysis I'd felt in my dreams crept over me. It started in my fingers and toes before moving up to my limbs. I wondered if it would stop my heart as it spread to my chest. It took hold of my throat and kept me from screaming as the dark figure started to turn its head. As it turned, the mask appeared, staring down at me. The empty eyes and open frown revealed nothing of the being behind it, just like in my dream. Only this time, I could not wake up and end the nightmare. I remained frozen as the being leaned in, the mask getting within inches of my face. I heard a throaty sound coming from it like the beginning of a moan. Instead of moaning, the spirit unleashed a wild animal shriek. 
It sounded like many voices all compressed into one horrible screech. There was an enormous bang and sounds that seemed to come from every room in my apartment. The entity was still screaming in my face as my vision started to blur. Black shapes moved in from the corners of my eyes and I went limp. I woke after what seemed like only an instant, but I figured out later that I had been unconscious for hours. Every door, cupboard, and drawer in my apartment had been left open. The lights were all off, including my alarm clock, my radio, and everything else with a digital display. It looked like a bomb had gone off, only there was no damage. Nothing was missing or broken at all. Nothing, that is, except the mask. But something, something dreadful deep in my subconscious, is telling me I will see it again. You can support The Warning Woods by clicking the Anchor Support link in the description, or by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. Of course, the best way to help is by writing a review and following this podcast in Apple Podcasts or subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for listening. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.